everybody. This is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Um, it is, this is episode 73. I am uh, still unsure when I'm going to clock a new, I actually, I know when the life events are going to happen when I'm going to clock the second season, but um, Anchor just keeps having me say what season it is. And I feel like when you're over 40, this is what I've realized. I feel like my life is lived in these seasons, right? Like I feel like two and a half years can pass in a blink of an eye. And I just started to realize, like I was thinking about something that happened when I was like 34. And I was like, I don't feel that much older than 34. In fact, I don't feel older than 34. Um, but I feel like a lot wiser and like a lot has happened. And so, but I feel like my life chunks out pretty well into like two and a half year chunks. Right. So maybe like my life has lived from Saturn to Saturn, um, <laughs> uh, if we're talking astrology. Um, but it's, it's helpful to remember that life has lived in seasons as we are staring down. We're at, at week 45 of quarantine. We're staring down month 11. Um, it's so funny. We were so innocent. I listened to things I said in March of 2020 and I just like, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And that's the best thing is to remember you didn't know what you didn't know uh, early on. That's how I bring a lot of self-forgiveness and release a lot of guilt and shame. It's just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I know more and I can do better. Um, so I'm so excited to introduce you to Claire. Claire Coughlin Powell is the I met her through the Glowing Goddess Getaway, which is a women's cannabis self-care retreat. Um, it exists in person when that is a thing that can happen. Um, and Claire has taught at multiple getaways, as have I, and yet we have never been to the same getaway. Um, just during the quarantine, I've reached out to lots of people from the getaway just to get to know them and get to know more people and make more connections. And um, Claire is just a delight. And we really hit it off. And she teaches laughter yoga and invited me to be part of her laughter yoga club, uh, which is based in San Jose, California. Uh, but I don't live in California. I live way up in Washington State looking at Canada. And um, But it's so fun because we're zooming in from all over. Um, and there's people, it's a really large age range. Um, there's someone there who just turned 90. Um, and she does not look 90. Uh, and I think part of it is laughter yoga, right? Uh, laughter yoga. I don't even want to spill the beans too much. We'll talk about it a little bit in the episode, but like, it's kind of like improv, I would say, but like way more fun than any improv show or class I've ever been to. And, um, it's super fun and it's tonic. It's truly like taking a shot of vitality of like actual life force. Um, and it's just laughing on purpose and utilizing breath and movement, right? I, I connected with Claire right around a time when I realized I needed to start taking regular yoga classes where I was like kind of in community and with instructors that I really trusted to guide me with my movement and my breath. And so I kind of hooked into three different yoga teachers and cycled through their classes weekly. Um, and it's been, well, two of them are weekly. And it has been so good for me and really grounding, especially in this time to like have a place to quote unquote go every week and quote unquote see, I mean, I guess I am seeing the same people. Um, uh, but like, even though we can't be in the same rooms together, I think showing up to Zooms, I know a lot of folks are talking about Zoom fatigue, but I really think a lot of that is just um, needing to go outside more and like really balance. Like, cause I feel like I'm on Zoom I can be on Zoom sometimes six, eight hours in a day, depending on like what I'm doing or if I'm at a training. Um, I, this coming Saturday, I will be on Zoom for eight hours for in the day. And um, and it's never, it doesn't feel like too much. You know what I mean? I'm tired at the end of every day because I just am. I'm, I, I see my last episode about resting. Um, but 
I think there's part of it where like, I just do a lot of good work balancing outside, uh, like being outside and nourishing myself in that way in a non-screen way. Um, and I also, here's another hack. I also keep my lights really low at night. So it's dark early here and my lights are pretty low unless I need it to like be cleaning. So anyway, I just want to encourage you if you're curious about going to a class or starting to do a thing on Zoom and you're feeling like you're over Zoom, I mean, I get it. It's real. But like also consider like balancing some outside time with your Zoom time because I feel like we need each other and we need to connect and we need to show up like um, and I'll also say this as a Zoom instructor. I love connecting with my students and seeing them uh, show up. And I see I, I always see it with my regulars who keep showing up to Facky Dance Party like there's a glow up and there's definitely like you just kind of hook into more of your healing and seeing what's possible to yourself when you're continuing to show up for a class or a movement practice or something, right? Like it's part of the the tonic experience of just being and doing and moving and healing, right? But then I think there's also a tonic experience in continuing to show up for something you decided that you were going to do, even when you don't feel like it. And here's the thing. Frequently, I do not feel like going to laughter yoga in the middle of a Wednesday, right? Or I do not feel like going to like my Sunday morning yoga class. But when I do it anyway, which I always do, I always feel better. And so it's kind of like one of those things where you're thinking about doing it, just do it and think about it later. Um, so that's my pitch to you for taking on some Zoom classes. Um, after you listen to Claire, maybe you'll want to show up to our Zoom Laughter Club on Wednesdays. It is so much fun. It's a half an hour. It's a tight half hour in and out um, and always vibed up. And I'm so grateful to Claire for that and grateful for our conversation and just talking about motherhood and sustaining a thing for 15 years. Like that is not a small feat. Um, and I'm just, I love her so much. I'm so appreciating her in my life. Um, and before we get to our conversation, I just want to tell you the best way to support this podcast is through my Patreon page. I am an artist, 100% supported by Patreon. Um, I teach an aerobics class called Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics, which is for anybody who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. So if you've ever been called too fat, too much, or felt too awkward to dance, this is the supportive class for you. It's for literally anyone who's like a little bit like, I'm real different and I just want support being that. It's for big dreamers. It's for people who just want an experience of movement where they're going to feel affirmed and enjoy the experience. Um, I love to teach it. My Zoom classes are every Saturday and it's available um, at any level of Patreon support, including the two and five dollar level. Um, at those levels, also, you get exclusive access to Bevan's Bites, which is a podcast of many episodes. Um, which includes uh, spiritual healings and um, Reiki healings, meditations, uh, self-care tips and advice that I share uh, from questions from Patreon supporters. And at 25 bucks a month, you get access to a full suite of uh, six aerobics classes at a time at different time time lengths, a 10 minute, a 20 minute, a 45 minute cannabis class that's specifically designed for a cannabis experience, either CBD uh, uh, or THC or whatever or just do a 45 minute class. It's more repetitive choreography. It's a little simpler. Um, two 55 minute classes and a chair aerobics class plus some bonuses. And um, I just love creating a nurturing environment for self-care for y'all. Um, and I'm so grateful to Patreon for creating a platform that makes it super easy. They do all the billing. You can cancel any time. Uh, but it truly is the way that I've been able to sustain my life um, in this time with no touring and where the economy is just totally shifted. I'm just super grateful to get to be here and support y'all with self-care and also this podcast because frankly Fat Kid Dance Party is 
um, both movement and mindset. And it's as much mindset as it is movement. And this podcast is definitely part of that mindset. I'm super excited for you to meet Claire. Please imagine that we are on a porch together. We are snuggled up on some wicker furniture with your favorite childhood blanket tucked around you. And now here's our convo. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Yay. Yay. Um, Claire, will you tell me what is laughter yoga? Laughter yoga is a form of movement or exercise that uh, we use laughter for. We just laugh for the health of it. Laugh. <laughs> I like the pun. I like that the, in the elevator pitch about laughter yoga, there's a pun. Uh, <laughs> it was very uh, funny. <laughs> it's, it's important. I think puns are like the elixir of life. It truly is like one of my, oh, I love a good pun. Um, so Claire, tell me, you've been teaching a laughter yoga or leading a laughter yoga class for 15 years. It just turned 15. Um, tell me how you discovered laughter yoga and how you started teaching. It was really interesting. My father-in-law, uh, who is a very conservative, serious man, threw paper at me and said, do yoga, check this out. And, you know, get the paper, the paper. It's all about laughter yoga. And it's happening in, you know, Orange, like a Orange County, which is probably about, I don't know, six or seven hours drive. We were down for like a visiting for a weekend. And I decided to sign up. My family supported me. We went back the following weekend and I took the training to certified laughter yoga leader and then part of that is starting your laughter club where you outreach and do a club for low or no cost depending on because the most important thing is to get the laughter out people together and so I started the San Jose laughter club where we've been meeting for 15 years every Wednesday and laugh anyway <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. What was it about laughter yoga where you're like, oh, this is for me. I need to, I need to go to all the trouble to come back to my in-laws to like take this training. Well, I was facilitating yoga classes and what I noticed was there was a lot of competition. There was competition yoga. There was how bendy wendy am I compared to my, my neighbor. And I noticed that in, you know, there was like, oh, this is my spot and things were, and I was reading yoga journals, how people were hurting themselves in yoga. And I just was steering away because it's more about the pranayama and the journey to the post, as far as I was concerned with my laughter practice. But I thought, oh, this is great. I was also teaching um, fitness classes, but in the water. So we had these water classes and out by the pool, I'd always be cracking these silly jokes and things. And I thought, this is my style. And that's why I did it. And I went to the training and I had never done laughter yoga before. And we started doing laughter yoga. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're just a bunch of blithering idiots. I don't even know what, what is this, <laughs> but it made me feel good inside. And so I thought, this is great. And, you know, a couple of years later, we were on the beach with CNN Sanjay Gupta. 
and he was doing interviews with people and he asked people, why would you, why are you doing laughter yoga? And I said, well, I said, it's the way it makes me feel. And I feel that somehow what God in the universe wants me to do. I can't explain it, but I'm just on, I bought the ticket and I'm on the train. So here we go. That's awesome. Um, what do you think is like the primary difference that you found with a laughter yoga club class versus like a group exercise class? So either water aerobics or yoga. Um, I think that it's interesting barriers to entry. It depends. A lot of people may be not into the exercise element, but more of the laughter element, and they'll join a laughter class. Uh, in this people, sometimes they want to be serious, so they're intimidated about going to the laughter class, and then there's some crossover. I really believe that laughter is countercultural, so there's a, there's a discomfort level, and you have to have a certain level of confidence to really participate in some of these classes or even do this because it's it, it's really in its pioneering phases, I think, even though we've been laughing since the beginning of time. Oh my God. But yeah, but laughing therapeutically is a, a, a new lane, right? Like it's different. Like we, we normalize a lot of things. Oh, we were just talking about before I started recording how I'm trying not to use the word normal. Uh, we, standardize a lot of things it's, it's hard it's hard not to use that word but we standardize a lot of things that are good for us right like going to the gym movement classes right people know you got to move your body uh, you got to nourish your body right like so there's some basics to running uh what i call my meat sack right that's kind of universal but there's a lot of different lanes of like how we can live our best lives and we really like, I mean, like therapy is still kind of stigmatized. I really think that we should just make it so standard. It's just like going to the gym. It's another form of really important self-work that you do. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And laughing therapeutically is, I think, all part of that. It's part of like movement and breath and feeling on purpose or, or connecting, like being the master of our emotions rather than letting our emotions master us. Yeah, correct. In a word to therapy, I was going to say it, it, it is, it's, it's stigmatized in our society. And I think, well, someone goes through a trauma and that's a burn on their soul. That's a burn on their psyche. If you went through a fire and you have burns, second degree burns, third degree burns on your body, of course, you're going to seek some professional care. And when you can't see things that happen, you know, I think it's harder in society, but I, I, I'm very much an advocate for therapy and to think of it as, you know, you have been burned on your soul, you have been burned in your emotions, and why wouldn't you seek care for that? And, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you do that? And and we're, we spend a lot of time being serious. We spend a lot of time um, in stressful, like adulting type of things. And I think with laughter yoga, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. And what makes you, what ch children are younger and we're always seeking the fountain of youth. And what if it was play? What if it was just, 
hi friend, how are you today? Let's just laugh and play. Let's play this silly game. Let's laugh. Let's not be so serious. And then all of the problems can take the back burner because it said that laughter won't solve your problems, but it will help you solve your problems. Yeah. Laughter, I think, takes you into a different state, which um, typically the same, I mean, Albert Einstein said this, the same brain that created the problem can't create the solution. So that's why frequently people will advise you just to go out, take walks, do something different. And I think laughing in those moments, like I was, I was sharing uh, with you about how I had, I noticed the effects of the laughter yoga when one day I like ended up like not getting internet, like the power went out and I couldn't, I had a live I was supposed to be on. I'm very like diligent. I want to make it to everything I, I say I'm going to make it to. So I knew, I realized in that moment, oh shoot, I got to like drive into town a half an hour away. And I like have very limited time. This is going to be a squeaker to like be able to do this thing. And I just started laughing. Like typically I would be like in big stress, right? Like a physical response, a stress response. But instead of having a physical stress response, I had a physical laughter response and, and then just drove into town and solved it. And it was fine. And I was in a better position to be a manager of that like momentary crisis, like because of the practice I was in just from going to laughter yoga once a week. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, that's what it's all about is life improvement. It's fun to get together and have the fellowship and the socialization and positive looking at faces that are smiling and laughing and playful. But when it comes down to those moments in life, when you are stressed out and you can go the laughter route, so much better. What is it? Neuro-linguistic programming. It's just so much better that's I mean you have a choice that's that's your power is you have a choice you feel powerless when you don't have a choice and you think you oh I have a choice to laugh instead of cry hey yeah you can choose and you know nothing no wrong answer there it's just hey you have a choice and that just makes you a little more powerful less pitiful a little more powerful less pitiful Ooh, that's a good one to write down uh, Claire, can we go back to like when you're starting to teach laughter yoga? Because you have two children who are 16 and 13. So get, if I reverse yeah. engineer the dates, you had a one-year-old when you started doing laughter yoga and like then had another little one right away. So what was it like for you, like kind of balancing um, this practice with mo early motherhood, which I think is a really frantic time for a lot of people? It's demanding at least, you know. It was stressful. I thought maybe one book I'll write is Laughter Club Stresses Me Out, you know, just behind growing into the laughter. Yeah. You know, and, and you faith things till you make them, right? You know, don't fake it, faith it. You know, it's your faith that things are going to happen. And, you know, I went out there to, in the park, sometimes in the rain, baby strapped to my chest in an umbrella and maple showed up, maybe people didn't. You know, then I had my, you know, my toddler playing on the little playground while I had the other baby strapped to my chest and was laughing. And I actually, in my second birth, I used laughter to give birth to my son, to my second son. It was, I thought it was one of those moments, of, oh, I could laugh. And I started laughing and 
that baby so much quicker than the first. <laughs> but uh, it, it wasn't easy, but I, I really enjoyed having the choice to laugh and laugh to get me through a lot of stressful, hectic situations. And also the support of the community of people who are laughing. Because when you join or when you're trained as a certified yoga leader, they say, you know, welcome to the happiest family in the world. It's laughter yoga is in hundreds of countries and there are thousands of laughter clubs all over the world. So we're all happy family. And also laughter is our universal language. A smile is the same in any language. People can laugh. You don't have to speak the same language. I've been fortunate to laugh with people, you know, from, from Japan, from Germany, from France, from all over the world. India, of course, that's the, you know, the birthplace of laughter yoga. The laughter yoga, the concept of laughter clubs was started by Dr. Madan Kataria and his wife, a yoga teacher. And he thought he was writing an article, laughter is the best medicine. And what if we did laugh form of movement or and laughter yoga were born in India about 25 years ago. Wow. I love it. I also, I feel like if I were to describe laughter yoga, I would, it's like a half an hour, which I think is the perfect amount of time. And it's a little bit like improv and intentional play and breath work and light movement is kind of what I would say. Yeah, that's a great description, Bevan. I think that's, that's pretty much, you know, what we do. I, I've kept, I've had one of these uh, fitness watches on and I've, it, will register laughter yoga as other form of exercise and you know how many calories it burns and I think oh I'm laughing my a double dollar signs off all right <laughs> movement and feeling good and and uh just there's just so much I mean I I say they they have a lot of scientific studies that they've done with laughter they're doing more and more there's a uh, Dr. Lee Burke in uh Loma Linda, California, who did laughter studies with heart patients and the reoccurrence of heart attack and the people that laughed was just dramatically lower than the people that didn't laugh. And I always say, conduct your own studies, mm. you know, see how you feel. You're the best judge of your body and what's going on in your body. Yeah. So how it works. I mean, it may not be your journey to success. There are many paths to success, but it might be. I don't think it'll hurt much. I mean, one of our rules are no new pain and, you know, laugh anyway. Just enjoy. Start a happy demic instead of a global pandemic. We'll have a happy demic. I'm into it. I'm actually, I'm really, I'm, I'm really kind of as we're kind of going through this quarantine i'm learning a lot about human interaction and it's really powerful when you manage your vibe right when you focus on how you feel which is uh what you know primary teaching of esther hicks um is just focus on how you feel and that's how things are going to line up for you that's how your solutions will find you um and when i focus on how i feel every interaction i have with other people tends to be high vibration it tends to be positive it tends to be delightful I try, I, this is generally an ethic I have. I try to leave every conversation having added value to that other person 
and whatever that value is for them, not necessarily thinking about any agenda I have other than to just add value and, you know, stay in my vibe. Cause if I can stay 73 degrees and sunny with a slight breeze, like that means everything is a better experience on this earth. And so I think it's like, it's, it's truly a happy demic. Cause if you're the kind of person who's grumpy and down all the time and negative people leave conversations with you lowered. But when you're the kind of person that's bright and you do the work to take care of yourself, because that means less Netflix, right? More laughter yoga, more walks in the woods, well, right? Well, maybe Netflix isn't that bad, but I mean, if, if you're laughing and you're enjoying that, but, but taking care of yourself and having a higher vibration is important. It's like a mental shower. You know, you don't want to go out and be around people where you haven't showered for days and you have, you know, like just stains and, and, and extra, you know, body odors or however you want to get rid of all of that, that ickiness that you kind of carry around and have that higher vibration, taking care of leaving things in, in a better st space. I mean, it's environmental and, that, you know, we, I think we've all had that feeling of people that talk about like Debbie Downers or it, it, the heavy feeling that they give and so just part of taking your care of yourself and having compassion for others is to and, and like I said faithing it not necessarily faking it but also working on getting towards that higher vibration getting lighter that's why angels can fly they take themselves so lightly oh ah. Not only with the puns, also with the the cute wall sayings. Um, <laughs> I love that so much. Um, will you talk about? So we uh, we met through the Glowing Goddess Getaway. Although I don't think we've ever actually been to a getaway together. Um, no, no, we haven't. <laughs> it, it was it was very interesting because well, it's so wonderful how communities can connect. Mm -hmm. And you know, you at the time I think we're more doing East Coast things. I was West Coast things and. Bay Area, really, you know, just to get away from you know, family and things to, to have that space and time where we, you know, kind of empower each other. And I, you know, we're in touch with social media. And I remember I saw, oh, there's Bevin and she just dance, fat kid dance party. And I think that's really cool because I'm into fitness and fun. And also in San Francisco Bay Area, I'm on TV every week on a show called Dance Party. And I thought, I need this lady, I got to just tell her she's awesome and just keep, keep it up. Like, you're awesome, Bevan, keep up doing what you're doing, because that's just, you're inspiring me across the country. And I haven't even met you. I saw a picture of you on the internet, and I saw a few things, knew a few things about you. And I thought, yeah, that's what the world needs more of. Keep it up. I don't know if anybody encouraged you today, but I know that I have the power to encourage you. So I'm going to write this note to you and reach out and say, just stay awesome. You don't know me, just stay awesome. My God, encouragement. I just, I want to thank you for that. And also just encouraging words. I, I want people to really hear how valuable and important they are. Even if you think you don't have something to add you never know who needs the encouragement you have to offer. I just like to, in this like iteration of myself as I'm working to become more and more loving, uh, I really try to remember to tell people what they mean to me, what I admire about them um, or things that I'm proud of about them, things I've seen them grow in, just like paying attention to people 
um, and providing those encouraging words. And like, especially on the internet, like you can, it, it frequently feels to me as someone who's been creating on the internet since 2002, it frequently feels like I'm just like shouting into a void. Um, and like, I know it affects people. I know people enjoy it, like, right? Like, and I know, I know over time, like I have that awareness, but it is nice to hear from people being like, hey, I really love what you do. This brightened my day, right? Like those are nice things to hear. So I just want people to land that like, you can send those cute, those sweet compliments to people, like regardless of whether you think you're, they're even gonna read it. I try to write on celebrity uh, Instagrams when I notice something, right? Just a kind word, because I know so many people take the time to write nasty things. So I'm like, if I have a kind word to say, I'll say it, you know what I mean? Even if they have 9,000 comments, who cares? Like putting more niceness in the world and encouragement is such, it's an, it's an ethic of mine. I'm glad it's an ethic of yours, but I really want to talk, let's talk more about, because I was so excited to make your acquaintance because I really, I think I got to know you earlier. Like I figured out who you were from the, an IG live that you did with Deidre at some point. Um, and then like just reached out because like I figure with slowing got us getaway, anyone who would go to a getaway is someone I'm going to be, I would have a conversation with. So like in the Zoom times, I was like, hey, Claire, let's get to know each other. And it's been such a, a wonderful friendship and laughter yoga. I just, I didn't even realize what a gift it was when you offered it to me. And I'm so glad that I took you up on it. But okay, with glowing goddess getaway stuff, I want to talk about cannabis use, especially as a mom, because now you've seen your kids like they're, they're teens, right? So they're kind of um, needing less of you. And I'm wondering like when you started being a regular cannabis user and how that helped you kind of retain your self-care and sanity as a mom? Oh, well, since before I was a mom, I was a regular cannabis user. And, you know, it, it was, it was just my, you know, and, and some people, some women, you know, they'll have a glass of wine. Some women who are emotional, you know, they'll take a glass of wine, you know, just chose cannabis as my way, I felt that that's what resonated with me the best, what was best for my self-care. And it was handed down from my mother. And so it's, you know, something that has been in the family and in my culture. And, you know, it's a plant that is given to us, you know, from the divine and it's a connector. And I, you know, it, I, I don't, sometimes I feel the guilt. You always feel the guilt of a mother, like, oh, well, what if I did this? Or what if I, but I feel like I'm a kinder, gentler mom. I can, you know, excuse myself. And, you know, even my husband has sent me away and said, go on, go use your cannabis because I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> and he's not a cannabis user, but he recognizes the value that it has for me. Yeah. And my medicine, you know, just as a medicinal, you know, self-healing, you know, self-medication type of thing. It just, it's, it's a lot of things because it is, it's cultural and it's countercultural a lot like uh, laughing is a little countercultural. And yeah. it's like, well, you know, you may not choose. I, I love Seth Rogen, what he says about cannabis use, because they say, well, you don't need it. You know, but you don't need shoes, but they protect your feet. Mm. You know, it makes things a little more comfortable. Yeah. 
I find, I find cannabis is like, there's a good quote about cannabis too, where like alcohol is like a loan shark and cannabis isn't trying to get anything back from it. So it's huh. like, it's like when you use alcohol, like you're going to feel bad for a day or two. I mean, I think the older I get, I mean, I don't even drink anymore, but like the older I got, the worse it was. And, but with cannabis use, I just kind of find it's like a floaty, um, the after effects are very, are floaty and easy. And it's, yeah. and it really does help me find and access the kindest version of myself. And it's, you know, it just handles a lot of Good. things. I like to have a drink too. I love cocktail. I mean, I, Mom taught me about a good gin and tonic as well. So, <laughs> you know, it, it just, it just depends, you know, we don't have the, some people do, but you know, we often have different meals, you know, on different days and different times. And so, you know, the, the, there's the, you know, Bible verse, you know, everything to has a season. Mm. And so, you know, when everything has a time and a purpose and, so I, you know, I think I don't advocate abuse of substances, but I do advocate use of substances. Mm. It's they're they're there for our purpose, and a lot of things are going on now uh, with more natural plant-based things, uh, micro dosing of psilocybin mushrooms. I think if that's bringing people into that higher vibration that's great that's what we want that's what we need when we do our prayer for peace for laughter yoga one of the things i say is may all of those that go before us be at their highest form of self that we you know that we can be our highest form of self and all of those that we deal with they're doing the best that they can that's what we hope for mm -hmm. and you know to have world peace through laughter Oh, I love that. Um, with so with growing up with a mom who used cannabis, what was that like? And like, what was her use like? And what did she teach you about it? Because that was like, I don't. I imagine you grew up in the eighties. Yeah, the, primarily the eighties. You know, late seventies, early eighties. And it's interesting because I I was a child of the Dare program. Uh huh. And, and I think of my story. My story story and my cannabis story is very intertwined with my mother because I was in kindergarten and I had achieved something that I was very proud of. I was good citizen of the month. Oh, to be a good citizen of the month was a big deal. You got a certificate and you got to go on a special field trip. And my father took the day off of work to go on that special field trip with us, which for some reason, I don't know who planned it, but it was to the police academy to see the police dogs. Oh. And so my mom took little Claire, who's, you know, I started kindergarten at four, so four or five years old, and said, now Claire, don't tell the police that your mom and dad smoke doobies. Oh. They might make you away from us. And it was the first time that I ever felt shame for my family I felt a huge shame I was here I was I was proud of myself I was kindergarten dentist but oh my gosh my parents do something that the police who are supposed to be our friends and protectors and we're going that you know like will take away take me away from my parents who are my friends and protectors and so it was very you know emotional for me fast forward to the seventh grade 
where we have the officer in the in my science class talking about what's going on and they're going around the classroom and they're saying well why wouldn't you use drugs you know like what are some reasons and i said well i think school is very important to me and i think if i use drugs that my grades would suffer and i wouldn't like that well the science teacher who did not know my situation decided to make a smart aleck comment about well, yeah, and you're really on the verge. And then I ran out of the classroom and I was the most ashamed I ever was. I ran out, I remember out onto the field of the school and I just laid down in the grass and just looked at the sky and cried my eyes out. Why, why, why do we have to be, you know, the bad people? Like it was just very confusing for me as a child. And, you know, even growing up, going to high school, and I went to high school somebody who's from um, a band. And uh, they have, uh, I don't know, there's two words in their name. And the first color is a color. And the other one is, um, well, day of the week. So day. And uh, I was offered my first life load like boy a ditch dance. And you know, I, I offered this across out from the community center and across this field that later became the town police station behind the the CEO of the you know the company and here comes oh, and it's like the first time I was offered cannabis like at socially oh no, I don't do that, it's my mom's, I, I refused that. So when I did start my cannabis use in my early 20s, I was a very conscious decision. Family was very happy. I was almost like the prodigal daughter coming back to <laughs> do this. And it was a life decision that I made. I thought, you know, I people make decisions, they have coffee day. This is my decision I had. I'm this, I like it, I love being a stoner. It's just me, you know, it, it works for me. But, they, but it, there was a huge journey into the cannabis and self-acceptance and, and a lot of confusion and working it out. Yeah. You know, and hesitancy within the laughter community because, or within my laughter sessions, because I don't want laughter to be trivialized as being powerful oh they just get high and laugh and that's their laughter club that's not that's not the case i'm serious about my laughter i was a serious child and <laughs> this has been my therapy and and my way of getting through a lot of tough situations and that's why i'm an advocate for it it's there i'm so thankful to hear you say like I'm a serious person. I was a serious child because full same. Uh, I don't know that many people who are like naturally kind of as serious as me. Um, and the cannabis Lossy really dude. helped lift me out of that and take life a little less seriously and just like enjoy. Um, I'm like in you know the Ghost of Christmas Present and the Muppet Christmas Carol like the big redheaded like come and know me better man sort of big Muppet. Do you remember that movie? That's how I feel well, when I smoke cannabis. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> energy. 
I'm in the present moment. I'm like excited about the party, this present day that's unfolding, right? Like it's really, I think like something like a spiritual journey I'm on is like learning how to be in this present moment and enjoy it and that, and not expect anything specific from it or maybe setting intentions, but like really getting out of my own like toxic way of like, I grew up thinking I had to control everything. I grew up thinking that control was safety. Um, I grew up thinking that, I mean, I grew up experiencing not as much safety as I think I should have. Um, again, trauma, right? We talked about that earlier. And I think like part of cannabis, like that really scared me at first. I, early, I'm a late in life stoner. I didn't really start until I was like 34, 35. Um, I was, I had some experience with it, but I was really dedicated to alcohol um for that from like 21 to 33 it was a, i had a great run um oh, okay. and <laughs> that's when you can do it that's when you really can go yes that's when my body was available for it and then eventually i was like i think this is poison to my body i really think my body's like no you can't do this we change uh, as people <laughs> and women you know things change that's the constant yeah and like in the cannabis like just helped me become this like, and I, I'm glad I got into cannabis after spirituality because like having that combination, but it's helpful to hear. I mean, even as a laughter yoga person, I think maybe being serious is like why you need the laughter, right? Like oh, yeah. you need that personality. Um, Absolutely. And I would say the present, the gift of the present, right? The, the gift of the, of the present. And the thing about laughter is we're so occupied with laughing and with doing whatever play we're doing that we're truly in the present moment mm -hmm. we, we it gets all of the you know most of the chatter maybe not all but you know most of the chatter a lot easier than um meditation for me i love meditation as well but i found and i've had participants say that laughter is the wormhole to the guru on the mountaintop Ooh, yeah it really is, honestly, like meditation, I think is vital and important, but meditation to me is like washing the dishes. It's like something that needs to get done, um, mm -hmm. every, you know, every day for me. Uh, and, but laughter is something that like, I think is that next level. Um, yeah. And I'm so curious. So will you tell me more about like how you talk to your kids? Like you were raised in prohibition uh with cannabis and now you live in a in a now legal state that was medically legal i think throughout the lifetime of your 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 kids growing up how did you talk to them about cannabis when they were younger how do you talk to them about it now that like as teenagers they might have more access like however they might have access like what's your philosophy how are you parenting well it was a, it was a also a decision that i had to make as a parent as you know, am I going to be open about my cannabis use to my children or am I going to hide it? And, you know, I, I decided that, you know, there are some parents that don't drink in front of their children. My parents always drank in front. They, we always had happy hours and things. And I decided I wasn't going to hide that from my children. I was going to say, this is adult behavior. You know, this is, this is adult behavior. Um, drinking, you know, these are things that we do as adults, but I wasn't going to hide it. And, and I wanted to take the mystery out of it for my children. I didn't want there to be a mystery. I wanted there to be an open dialogue so they could talk to me because they say, well, you can talk to them about anything. But um, 
you know, like, so I just decided to be open about it and they know, and I've shared with them and, and that's just kind of the way it is. You know, my, you know, my, like I said, it's, it's a family thing. So even with grandparents that that's not hidden from them either. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and also one, excuse one, me, just one moment. I know we're, we're, oh, we're going, hold on one. Okay, so Claire, at the beginning, so when we first hung out um, on Zoom, you were in Newport Beach, kind of like helping to unfold your in-laws house and like sorting it, but kind of like away from your kids for maybe the first time for an extended period of time, just like, you know, they were with your husband up in San Jose and you were kind of on like mom spring break for a like a while. <laughs> a little bit, I mean, my, my boys, you know, in past generations, they'd already be off at war or in their, you know, however, but I, I feel like it's a good time with their father. It's time for them to spend time and know their father and know that their father feel comfortable in knowing that I would, can go away and I can come back and I'm available on the phone or, you know, via video chat and it was really cute because I asked my 16 year old, I said, you know, do you miss your mommy? You know, is everything okay? And he said, well, how, how do I say this without hurting your feelings? Of course, I love you, mom. You know, everything's great, but you know, we're okay with dad and dad's not as strict. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. What did that do for you? Like in terms of self-care, like, cause I know parenthood is so intense and they require a lot from you when they're little and then as like they grow and they need less and less from you and like being willing to just take the space i don't know that many people who are willing to just do what they need to do and take that space but what was that like for you just you know in a way of giving hope honestly to like the people who listen to this who have little little ones well i was also fortunate that i raised my children to be fairly independent you know, I, I, my background is as a group fitness instructor and always going off to classes or they would be in the childcare with me over, you know, at the facilities. And so they always knew mom would go away and come back and they're independent individuals. My, my youngest is definitely a nonconformist. <laughs> they just fine on their own. So that, that helped a lot, you know, just and as my husband said, parenting is a, a long series of goodbyes. You know, as you say goodbye to your baby who can't, you know, roll over or can't crawl, you know, crawl, then they start walking. And then you have a toddler, you don't have an infant anymore. And then you have a young child and you don't have an infant or a toddler anymore. And then you have, a, you know, the gawky teenagers, you know, and my 16 year old's over six feet tall. It's just amazing. And to think that, you know, he's going to be operating a car or voting in a couple of years and out there, as they say, adulting on his own. He, and, and they're taking the steps. It's, it's happening. And sometimes you, you don't, you, a wise man taught me, you know, my mentor taught me, you have to faith it till you make it. And a lot of it is faithing this, like, okay, I'm going to do the best that I can. And, you know, somehow they're going to grab hold and they're going to gain traction and they're going to make it. And when you, 
now I'm more of a consultant and a food buyer than anything else. Oh my God, that's so true. Um, I'm sure they eat a lot. Uh, do you? So you are now, um, right now, you're in Newport Beach. Yes. And you're in. Yeah. You you have. I'm in my. I'm in my. You know, my in-laws' house. Last year was just. And even this year, still, um, just a lot of loss of life in, in, close to me. It's coming up on, like, on a year of my, my godmother, my father-in-law, my, my godfather, uh, just, my, just really close people that are gone. And you were, we were talking earlier about lifting each other up and writing those notes and you know, and kind of encouraging that. And what happens is we lose these people and what do we regret? Not telling them how much we love them. We regret not saying those nice things about them, about what you admired. That's why a lot of memorial services, you get up there and you say, I like this person a lot. And this was a funny story and memory we shared. And this is how great, you know, all of their great accomplishments. And what if we did that to people while they were still alive? It's literally, eulogizing is not a verb that is only reserved for people who have passed. It's just, we use it so frequently in that context that we miss out on the opportunity to eulogize people while they're alive and just tell them what we appreciate them. And like just doing like, I almost like, I like to think of it as like a rampage of appreciation just to appreciate someone while they're around. And I think as someone who had lost, I lost a lot of friends. I like to say when I was 27, my friends started dying and that changed everything about how I saw the world. And um, yes. I, I regret every, like there were so many people who I really admired and loved who I was intimidated by. And that was my own work I needed to do on my self image who I didn't ask for selfies with. And I always regret not having the selfie, always, every time I've like, if someone has passed I'm like I fuck I never got a selfie with them because I was too intimidated even though I'll take pictures with anybody all the time I love taking pictures it's like it's so funny and so like I'm so glad that when you had a year that was clouded by so much change because that's what grief is it's the change of your experience of this person from life to beyond life and a different way of communicating mm -hmm. with them and I think it's so awesome that you took that time to just be like, okay, my kids are handled and I can just go be and vibe and process and probably walk in the ocean and cry. I would imagine. I'm, I'm not sure. trying to put my grieving on you. You, you, can, you walk in the ocean <laughs> and cry or, you know, in Laguna Beach, they have the laughter club on Laguna Beach where they laugh seven days a week on the beach. So you go to the ocean and laugh as well. Oh my but, God. Do you go to their laughter club? There's a laugh. That's the laughter club that I, I, I probably visit the most because the close by to Newport beach, when I would always be visiting my in-laws and they're very serious people, you know, they were both accountants, CFO of the company. They were very, you know, conservative and, you know, just would not, you know, they both wore khaki pants and polo shirts, you know, it was just very, you know, not even fashion, not even fashion forward. And, I would go to the beach and and laugh with my laughter family, and then I could come back and deal with my small children and my in-laws and whatever else is going on. It was 
my therapy and I just I treasure the Laguna Laughter Club and going on the beach and I've seen dolphins there and you know just and all the dogs that come by and just the people that I've met and it's it's wonderful and and like I said crying isn't bad we, we even have a laughter movement that's called crying laughter because good times don't last and neither do you know bad times and it's to signify that and my mother says that tears wash the soul so it's okay you, you none of it is wrong but just there's another path to success with laughter yes yes absolutely also your trips to uh, laughter club on a visit to the in-laws remind me of long walks i'm gonna go take a walk which just means i'm gonna go smoke a joint yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll do that too. You know, it was, I, I was fortunate, you know, my, my husband grew up in my grandparents' neighborhood. So I would always visit my grandparents. So that would be, you know, I'd go to the Laguna Laughter Club and, oh, I love Del Taco. I'd get like a burrito from Del Taco and, you know, and smoke a joint and, you know, go see my grandparents and then come back and, you know, the world could be ending at the house. I, I don't know, but I can come in refreshed and ready to deal with what the, whatever the case is. What a great example of serving from your overflow. It really so is. You can't serve tea from an empty cup. You just can't. There's just no, you, you have to fill up your own cup first. And well, sometimes, you know, we have to dig deep as mothers and as people because our cup, but we have to remember to do that. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm still working on that. That's part of this journey and part of having this time, you know, a little bit apart from the family is to say, okay, now I don't have them as an excuse to not take care of myself mm -hmm. because sometimes they're not in the way. I'm in my own way saying that I have to take care of them. Yeah, and that's that's not the case because I, I have been fortunate with like my youngest is special needs, but there are times where you can have your breath. There are times where you can take care of yourself. You can, you know, get that five minute shower. It's OK. Like you, you don't have to go the five days and you'll feel better afterwards and you're a better mom to them. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, Claire, would you be willing to close out our conversation with uh, just leading a laughter or something that works well on audio? I know it's a visual art. I see your movements when we do it, but I'm just curious if there's a laughter you would lead. Well, I was thinking maybe gradient laughter. Ooh, I'm gradient laughter is based upon like the yogic, um, you know, just bringing up the energy and then bringing down the energy. Mm. And so what we will do is you just start with maybe a you know a straight face and then you know just very serious face and maybe a little bit of a smile and then maybe like a little hee hee giggle <laughs> and then grow it up to like a guffaw <laughs> and then grow up to like a bigger full-blown laughter <laughs> And a little guffaw, <laughs> and then maybe a tee hee 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 hee, and a little giggle, and a smile, and then just on the face. Oh, that's so good, Claire. Oh, 
it feels so good. I like, I can't stop smiling uh, when I'm doing laughter club stuff. Um, Claire, how do people get an invite to the San Jose Zoom laughter club? Well, Claire at laughanyway.com. So you send an email to C-L-A-I-R-E at laughanyway.com and say, I want to be a part of this invite. And, you know, I'll send out the invitation. I'm also available on social media as Claire Coughlin Powell and on Instagram and also on Facebook. Awesome. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. And I just appreciate you so much, Claire. Thank you for running such a nourishing group. Congratulations on 15 years. Like keeping something going for 15 years is like having another kid. Um, <laughs> it is. It, yeah. it really is. Yeah. But well worth it. You know, it's, it's just every day you make a choice and it's like, okay, today we're going to do this again. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Claire. Thanks for sharing with us and, and just being you in the world. I so appreciate you. Well, thank you, Bevan. I appreciate the invite. And as I say in Laughter Club, thank you for being. Oh, yes.